Are y'all ready for God's word? How many love your pastors? How many verbalize that you love your pastors? Look at your pastor and say, we love you, pastor. Amen. It's a treat to be with all the saints here at Willowdale, and it's actually my first time up here. We've known Pastor for over 20 years, way back from the CFCM days, and God has taken us on little different paths. We joined together at the Ark out in Vancouver, connected, and the rest is history. We're all here, and it's an honor to be with you. As I start the message this morning, there's a few questions I want to ask today. Has anybody ever had unrelenting disappointments? And what do I mean by that? It's like you get through one thing, and then it seems like on its tail, there's another thing. And then you get through that thing, and then on its tail, there's another thing. And just like Proverbs 13, 12 says in the Message Bible, unrelenting disappointments make the heart sick, but a sudden good break turns them around. And how about people that have prayed? And, and you know, we know we've learned all the principles of prayer. We know what Jesus taught on it. We know what Paul brought on it. We prayed the prayers from Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And so we know all those are things, but we cry out to God sometimes, and we pray, and we're not seeing the answers And we're sitting back sometimes and we're wondering, like, why, God, what happened? Am I doing something wrong? And confusion oftentimes can even hit the church world. And then there's others that maybe you had a prophetic word. And when the prophetic word actually hits your heart, you knew that you knew that you knew that it was God. And here you are, months later, years later, possibly even decades later, and the things that were spoken that you knew that was God himself speaking to you, you're not seeing the fulfillment of those there things. And you're wondering, like, what happened, God? Was that just a, I had too much Taco Bell the night before? Like, I don't, I don't understand what happened. Or maybe you're here and you've sowed and you've given and you've sacrificed and you've made those things and you still haven't seen the breakthrough, but yet you hear others that have the breakthrough and you're sitting back and saying like, God, why isn't this working for me? And, and so there's questions that we oftentimes have. And I don't know about you that uh, when I see things and things happen in my life, I want answers for the things. I, I want to know why this happened. I want to understand you, God. I want to understand your ways. I want to understand your world. So if anybody can relate with on what I just said in any of those areas, then I want you just to stand for a moment, just right now, on any of the areas that I just introduced the topic with right now. If it hits you in prayer, if it hits you in the giving area, it hits you in any of those areas, okay? Okay, everybody stand. Everybody stand up right now. And look at your neighbor and say, this message today is for you. It's going to change your life, and you'll never be the same. It's guaranteed by God's word if you act on it. Amen. You can be seated. In my text today, I want to go to the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1. And whoever's doing the multimedia did an incredible job in the first service. So I'm very, very thankful with them that they stayed with me. We were jumping from verses, and they they were right on the ball on the whole thing. In the Apostle Paul writing in this here for his prayer for the church at Callis, it's amazing that he starts off and he says, for this reason. One translation actually says, uh, the New King James says, for this cause. The New American Bible says, therefore from this day we heard it. Uh, Young's literal says, because of this. And so when you look at it all together, because of, for this reason, for this cause, you look at the verses prior to what we have right over here in verse number 9. 
And you'll hear things like this here. Your testimony, your fruits to the Colossian church are being spread, talked about through the entire known world. Your fruits are abounding. The writer goes on and says, you're running with the blessed hope. The writer goes on in these eight verses and he says, your faith, it's real. Your love is an activation. It kind of sounds like the church at Meadowvale right now. Two people got a hold of that. It sounds like the church here in Meadowvale right now, Meadowvale Community Church. You're a church full of faith. You're a church with vision. You're a church with hope. You're a church operating in love. You're a church, listen, that's going around. This book that your pastor wrote is going to impact a generation. We need messages like this to go out. Can you say amen? And then he goes on and he says, for this reason, the reason that I'm writing you, okay, is because everything good is going on in your life. The church has a tendency to pray from a proactive problem. In other words, something happens and then we pray. Come on. But what Paul is saying, no, we don't wait till something bad happens. We don't wait till something wrong happens. We pray when things are going good. There's a tendency in the flesh to just let things down. But that's not what Paul said. He said, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it. Now hang on. We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What this man up here has learned over these last 45 years in speaking the gospel, within six months after being born again, I was preaching the gospel in a Catholic charismatic meeting. Within a year, I was in the leading a youth pastorate. Within five years, here I did, I started the church over in Windsor, Ontario. And I'm not here to talk all about that right now. But I've learned something about God. The Bible says to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Has anybody ever went to the Mandarin? <clears throat> okay, you have mandarins up here. We just opened a mandarin last year in Windsor. I believe Pastor Kathy and I prayed that it would come, okay? We really like the mandarin. To make a long story short, has anybody ever went to a buffet restaurant or any restaurant in that man, and you just ate too much? Come on, just, just raise your hand. Maybe it's just Rick over here. And when you went afterwards, you just, there was no more room. You, couldn't, you just said you were stuffed, and all you wanted to do was get in a recliner. All you wanted to do was go rest for a little while, put your head back, and sleep. How many can relate? This is the terminology that the apostle is using when he says filled. The word filled means to level up a hollow till there is no more room, no more ground for anything else to enter in, for anything else to come in. So what is it that he wants us to be filled with? The knowledge of his will. Come on. In all wisdom, understanding and application of the knowledge of his will, but also spiritual understanding. So the apostle is saying, I don't want you just to have the knowledge of it. I want you to have the application of it. I want you to have the understanding of what this here means. So what I have learned is in the Old Testament, you will find 3,419 references. You will see the word will. Okay, and then in the New Testament, you'll see 568 references to the word will in the New Testament. And then you'll also see another 32 times that you'll see the word willing brought out. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So you add that up, you'll see over 4,019 references in the Bible about the will of God. Come on now. So to me, I don't know about you, but when it says will, it's very, very important that Rick Shamatero not be in the outer parameters of the will of God, but to be in the middle of the will of God. 
But I want to tell you something today in my life and in my journey. I've walked with God for 45 years. Kathy and I have six children between us. Thank God that all of our six kids are married. Uh, my son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, all 12 of them together are all tracking with Jesus. Come on. They're all serving God. Four of them are in ministry with us. And, and so we're very, very thankful for that and the grandkids and, and seeing all those other things. But I'm going to be very transparent with you today. There's been times in my life that I've not been, if you want to call it, in the center of the will of God. And that's what's birthing this message today that I want to talk about right now. The Apostle Paul actually brings uh, many, many things out in this here chapter. But the things that I recognize that he had said over here, he started off the chapter, we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. So we see something about Paul. He started off his epistle here in Colossians, thanking God the Father for the church at Collis. And then we see in chapter 1, verse 12, always thanking the Father who's enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. He doesn't just stop over there. He continues to say in chapter 2, 7, let your roots grow down from him and let your lives be built on him and then your faith will grow strong in the truths that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So we can see something out there that the Apostle Paul started twice in his reference to the New Covenant Church at Collis about thanking God for them in prayer. But he said that I want your roots to go down in such a dimension in me that what's going to happen is you're going to overflow with thanksgiving. You're not just going to have thanksgiving. It's not just going to be a topic you talk about, but it's going to something that overflows with inside your life. And then the writer goes on in chapter 315 and he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And then he says, always be thankful. And then we can see over in chapter 17, he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all as representatives of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. He goes on and he speaks about the same one from chapter 1, Epaphras, and he says, I want you to be devoted to prayer. I want you to be alert and attentive, but I also want you to have a thankful heart. I believe he references after that the Laodicean church and the Laodicean church is a self-satisfied church, a comfortable church that forgot something of God in gratefulness in the last days. And so what I want to speak to you today is in my text verse, and they're going to put it up over here. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 16. So everybody say, I want to be in the center of of the will of God. That's my desire. That's Pastor Kathy's. I know your pastors, and I believe everybody in here. Well, I'm going to show you something now from the scripture that literally has changed my life, that has literally changed my marriage. Kathy shares about the cross, and that book on the cross that she wrote has literally changed the two of us from the very inside out. It has made a difference with inside of our marriage, and then this one on gratitude has also made a difference inside of our lives, and we have seen that God has done something in us that has blown us both away, and everybody agreed, said, Amen. Here it is. So it says over here, everybody say, come on, rejoice. Now, how many know there's times in our lives we don't feel like rejoicing? Okay. But how many know in those times there's a grace given to us, an empowerment to rejoice even when we don't feel like it? 
God never gives us an instruction that he himself doesn't live. And I believe God rejoices always. Amen? And then the next verse says over here, come on, pray without ceasing. So we recognize that. And I know pastor's done an incredible job teaching on these two subjects on joy and teaching on praying without ceasing. Okay? But look at the next verse. Come on. Let's get a hold of this. Come on. In Everything. One translation says in every circumstance. Another translation says with every obstacle. What does God say? Come on, give thanks for this is God's will in Christ for you. So hang on. That is one of the simplest verses. We teach it at Thanksgiving. We talk about it often. Worship leaders often will see enter his gates with Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is something that is not foreign to the church world. But what I have learned is the next verse is connected directly to in everything give thanks uh, for this is the will of God. And it says right here, do not quench the spirit. You take the two verses together and this is what the revelation actually was. Whenever you and whenever I get out of gratefulness, whenever we release ungrateful language, if you want to call it, one towards another, towards our government, towards our marriages, towards our children, towards our church, towards whatever it might be, we actually fail to realize that we are activating spiritual law and we are actually quenching the Spirit of God. Now, I'm going to give you the definition. I didn't have a chance to go into it in the great detail in the first service, but the word quench literally means this, as a former asthmatic myself. And as an asthmatic, I remember growing up on, with the puffers that I used to have. Did anybody have asthma? Come on. And you have the effinine that you got to take to open up the, uh, the glands, especially when hot weather and cold weather come together. And so I remember that. And I remember wheezing so much and, and, and having all those issues as a young boy growing up. And I couldn't even, after I got saved, go to the climates that I've gone to now since I've been restored in that there area because of the wheezing that I went up. But literally what happens is there's glands that are inside of here that literally swell up and it blocks the airwaves for the air to come in. And that's why you're wheezing because it's very, very hard for you to get oxygen and air into your lungs. The asthmatics can say amen. Okay, so in the same respect, that's the same definition that the Apostle Paul uses for quenching the Spirit. He literally says to block the channels where air passages are to block the airways. Listen here what it means. It means to extinguish, to put an end to, or to bring to an end. It means to wipe out. It means to suppress or to stop or arrest a flow. It means to stifle divine influence. Have you ever thought about that? To stifle divine influence? That you and I have the ability to actually hinder, to stifle, to suppress God's Holy Spirit inside? It's not unusual when you hear in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief. They stifled the Spirit by their unbelief. I woke up one morning and this is what God spoke to me. He said, and I don't use the God card off and I'm not one that says every day God spoke this or spoke that to me. I believe the leadings on my life have come from the word of God. Amen. But here's what God said. He said the highest expression of faith, the highest manifestation of faith is gratitude. 
And he gave me the example with Abraham. It says Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The glory to God is actually an offering of appreciation and thanksgiving for everything God had been in his life. In the same respect, he said the highest manifestation or form of unbelief is murmuring and complaining. Okay, now we'll look at that for just one moment in this definition. The writer goes on and he says, to stop, to arrest the flow, to put out, to restrain, to hold back from action. Have you ever thought that the Holy Spirit wants to move? The Holy Spirit wants to use you? The Holy Spirit wants to speak through you? Wants to prophesy through you? Wants to encourage the brethren through you? But actually when ingratitude is there, it hinders and stifles God's Spirit from manifesting inside of our lives. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to give you this here. Ingratitude causes a spiritual abortion for every good thing that God has for our life. It actually deteriorates marriages, churches, homes, worship teams, and individuals' life. It is a paralyzing force today that is in our nation that hinders families, that hinders churches, that hinders marriages, and hinders people rising up with the spirit of faith. It is a malignant tumor that literally sucks the life out of the other healthy tissues in the body of Christ, and it zaps its passion it zaps the purpose and it zaps the desire for them to go forward. Okay? Ingratitude, it will kill, will stifle and smother any kind of growth, any kind of expansion inside of a church. It'll stop in a marriage. It'll block it, but it'll also block the expansion of heaven in the church. But I believe in Meadowvale Community Church, I believe God has greater things than ingratitude because you're a grateful people, amen? And we're going to talk about this for just a few moments right now. One of the things in uh, Kathy is a woman that likes ambience, okay? Um, I can get my clothes anywhere. She likes a certain kind of clothes, okay? And uh, she's a classy woman, okay? I don't know where I came from, uh, but I'm not exactly the same as her. But when it comes to restaurants, she likes the restaurants that they call ambiance. Okay, all the women understand ambiance. Ambience is the places where the lighting is just perfect, where they have fresh flowers normally on the tables of some kind, where it's decorated to the tens. It's just a beautiful looking place. But to me, ambience means it's a place where I'm going to go, where I'm going to pay big money and get little portions. I got to stop at Tim Hortons on the way home to get a bagel or something because I'm still hungry, okay? That to me is ambience in, 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 in the thing. But Kathy likes ambience. And so over the years, we went to this one restaurant called Spago. And Spago's one of the top uh, uh, Italian restaurants in Erie. I remember sharing this message years ago, and the owner called me, and he says, thanks for uh, uh, advertising my, my restaurant at your mass, okay? And so I said, I didn't advertise. He said, yeah, you did. You mentioned about it. So anyway, so he brought us down, and we had a chance to witness to him anyway. That was a great night. But speaking, getting back to that night, the two of us are there, and I'm looking in my brown-eyed girl's eyes, and we're not talking any problems, shop, kids, family, any anything like that, finances. All we're talking about is one another, dreaming together and just having a 10-star a night. It's a perfect night. And we have our meal together. The waiter comes over with his towel and, and he fills the water up every time there. Is there anything I can get you? Is there anything you need? How's the food? Was it warm enough? Everything. And just everything is just going perfect. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know what? Tonight's going to be a good night. 
Okay, and I'm singing in the back of my mind, Black Eyed Peas, tonight's going to be a good night, all right? And so anyway, we're going through the whole night. We're getting ready to leave, and the waiter brings the bill, and he just puts it on the table. And when he did, I opened it up, the little black thing, and I just let out a little, a little complaint. It wasn't a big complaint, okay? And I just says, and we don't even drink. Okay, as soon as I said that murmuring, if you want to term it, as soon as I said that, it blocked, it shut her down. And I'm like, what just happened over here? So then I'm trying to communicate with her. I pull out the credit card, pay it and everything else. And I'm communicating with her. I'm saying, is everything all right? And then when you get those one word answers, fine. Okay, how many know it's not fine? But how many know you need tongues and interpretation to interpret what's going on? How many can relate a little bit to what I'm saying right now? Okay, and so here I am in the restaurant and I'm trying to figure out like, what just happened to her? The whole night's been great, and all of a sudden, she's just shut down. And so we get in the car, and I says, everything okay? Everything's fine. Okay. We get home. How's everything? Fine. Gets in the kitchen, starts working, doing things. Ain't interested in a good night. Come on. In my mind. But anyway, so I, I, I really got very taken back by this whole thing. And I remember going into my study where I have all my books and everything over there. And I go in there and I close the door. And I said, God, what just happened? What, what happened out there? And the Spirit of God began to speak to me and birthed the whole book that I wrote. I brought this message out around the world. And he basically said to me, he says, this is how my people treat us. And they shut down my spirit from working inside their lives. And he said to me, he said, the word ingratitude literally means forgetfulness. Come on. So if somebody forgets, the Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, and bless his holy name. And forget not all my benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. How many say, God says, I don't want you to forget that, that I am the one that has forgiven you of everything, the one that heals you, the one that restores you, and the one that redeems you. And don't forget about it. A day is as a thousand years to the Lord. Don't forget this one thing. Come on, church. And so forgetfulness literally means ingratitude. And then it's the old English word that means thinkfulness. In other words, think on the right things, the good things, the pure things, the lovely things, the good things, and the good reports. So that night, I got the whole understanding out there is that thanksgiving paves the atmosphere for the purposes and the plans of God's to come in. I believe this, that in the spirit realm, there's pathways that are laid out in the spirit. You will hear psalmists oftentimes and worship leaders say, that they quote the scripture from Psalm 1611, and it says, in his presence, come on, is what? Fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. Come on. <clears throat> How many know it says that? The verse also says the first part of it says I will show you the pathway of life in his presence is fullness of joy David understood the pathway of life and that pathway of life was a life of gratitude he said it in Psalm 34 where he said I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth uh, the, and, and what does that mean it says at all times, every season of life, every circumstance of life, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to thank the Lord. The word praise and the word thank are interchangeable words. One time they're translated praise, the next time they're translated thanks. They're the same exact root word in 
both of them. So David says, look it, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall, come on, continually. His thanks shall continually be in my mouth. Then look at verse number two. It goes right down. My soul shall make it boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear it and be glad. Go to verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now look at verse number four starts the deliverance. I sought the Lord, and come on, he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. But listen, if you're not operating in verse number one, sanctifying the atmosphere with a heart of gratitude, then God's not going to be the one that's going to deliver you from all your fears. There's conditions from the Word of God. You know, there's 1,209 uh, becauses in the Scripture. There's 3,978 then. There's something then, an action first then. And then what happened? The deliverance came. One of the Scriptures that I love is in Psalm 67, verse number 4. It says, let the peace, uh, the praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. The word praise is the same word thank God he says then shall the earth yield or increase the increase was already there but it was never released until the offering of thanks came forth out there Jonah Jonah listen carefully he prayed to God he cried out to God and his circumstance never changed you can read it in Jonah chapter 2 he was desperate finally he said I will pay my vows. God, I made a promise to you that I would do what you wanted me to do. Go to Nineveh. I'll pay my vows. And then it says, and he offered to God the voice of thanksgiving. And then it says, then the, uh, the whale spit him out of the mouth. Come on. The then was immediately afterwards. Isn't it amazing? As soon as he brought the offering of thanksgiving, immediately his deliverance is there. I wonder this morning in Willowdale community, how many men and women of God are here today that God's waiting for a then. God is waiting right now for an offering of thanksgiving. The Bible says in the New Testament, let us offer to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to his name with the sacrifice of praise. What is that? The thank offering to God. And as soon as God gets that thank offering, it releases the sanctuary. It releases, listen very carefully, the pathway for angels to come and to get on the pathways and bring your deliverance, bring your provision, bring your breakthrough, whatever it is that you have need of in your life. It causes the spirit to come forth. Jonah's deliverance never came until that offering of thanks went up. In the same respect, in Daniel chapter 2, it said that he had a habit that Daniel was in. We oftentimes read about the lion's den, about how God preserved him and God kept him and God delivered him. But in Daniel chapter 2, it says that Daniel had a habit daily, three times a day that he would kneel down and he would offer to God an offering of praise and an offering of thanksgiving. Come on. And so what happened was he did the same thing when the obstacle came, when the circumstance changed, and he knew that the writing was already there, that he would have the death penalty. But it didn't stop him, so he actually operated in 1 Thessalonians 5, that in everything give thanks. Daniel did that, and what happened? He got delivered. He got rescued. God showed up and set him free. Can you say amen? What a habit that this man had. Isn't it amazing of all the people that we could talk about from the scripture the son of God is the greatest example for me 
And it says in 1 Corinthians 11 in the communion chapter that we often know about, it said that the Son of God, he took bread and he broke the bread. And what did he do? He gave thanks. But isn't it amazing? It was on the night in which he was betrayed. Now, every Hebrew knows that the word bread literally means the table of showbread. And it speaks about the bread of his face, the bread of his presence. In light of what Judas had just done, betraying him, selling him out, using him, trying, listen very carefully, and sold the Son of God out. In that very night, when the violation of trust had taken place, Jesus did not focus on what Judas did, but he focused and got his face in the very presence of his father. And when he got in the presence of his father, the first thing that came out of his mouth was thanksgiving. Come on now. How many know if you've been hanging out with God and and the cross of what he did, how many know there's going to be an offering of thanksgiving that's going to come out? And God began to share with me these simple truths out there that many believers are not going to experience their breakthrough until they sanctify the atmosphere with thanksgiving and with celebration for every good thing that God has done inside of our lives. And everybody said, come on. I saw this here in 1 Thessalonians that many believers, including Rick, had quenched the spirit in the past. And it's easy to get into that negativity. It's easy to get into that murmuring and complaining. And the new covenant says, do all things, not some things, without murmuring, come on, and without complaining that we could shine forth as the sons of light today. I wonder how much more God can do inside of your life and do inside my life if he has the tool of gratitude come on inside of us to break out to see the shift take place i wonder how many marriages can be changed today when gratitude is there listen to one of the studies that they actually came up with from newser magazine it said and this is what caught my eyes it said the key to a happy and lasting marriage might be simply as regularly as expressing gratitude. So reports the researchers from the University of Georgia in a new study published in the journal called Personal Relationships. And listen to what they found. After interviewing 468 married individuals on relationship satisfaction, covering everything from communication, from habits that were annoying habits, and finances, they found that the most consistent, significant predictor of happy, fulfilling, lasting marriages was whether one spouse expressed gratitude. Hang on. The feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you tell, how you feel about your marriage and how committed you are to it and your belief that it is going to last, says the study co-author Ted Furtis. You can type in Dr. Emmons and you can type in Dr. McCullough and all three of these head men have done incredible research on this whole aspect of gratitude. I believe this here that when God gives us an instruction, he doesn't just give us something that's not of value and he doesn't just give us something that's going to take space with inside of our lives. What I have learned if God says it, it's there personally to benefit me. Come on. 
I have not struggled with my identity for decades today. I was raised in a home where my brother was perfect. I was raised in a home where my parents had my brother uh, second and my sister first. And so I was the youngest of three children. But when mama got pregnant with me, she didn't want any more children. She had her uh, daughter and she had her son in that order. And she didn't want any more. And so from the womb, my mom went into a major depression when she found out she was pregnant with me. And my brother's birthday was on the 13th of September. Mine was on the 11th. Okay. And so at the 12th, we used to have fights together because we were the same age for one day. Amen. And so anyway, to make a long story short, I remember always growing up and feeling like I was never valued, feeling like, you know, I, I love my dad. I got along great with my dad but I never connected with my mom. And in that whole situation, I didn't understand why that rejection was so real in my life. I never felt I was good enough, never felt I could measure up enough, but that rejection actually came from the womb. And there's things that you and I can struggle with even from the womb that we don't even know that was before we were even here. The Bible says when Mary and Lizzie got together, John the Baptist jumped in the womb. Come on. In the same respect, we have the same thing inside of our lives. And so what I recognized is the Bible says that God hath accepted Rick Shamatero in the beloved. So if God, and the word accepted is literally the same word that the angel Gabriel brought to Mary, the mother of Jesus in his humanity, and said, Mary, you are highly favored amongst women. And the Bible said she had no trouble with the visitation of the angel, but she had trouble with the saying of the angel that thou art highly favored. So I'm reading this one day and I'm saying, God, you're telling me that I'm highly favored by you. That's all I need to know. Everything's going to be okay. And here we are all these years later. But I've recognized also that there's a language in heaven called thanksgiving. In the Message Bible, and I want to close with this here, I have a document in here. It's called M Secure. I showed passion. I shared it in the first service. There's over 200 pieces of identification. If I go to a hotel chain, uh, the Marriott, if I go to a hotel chain, the Best Western Plus, I have all the numbers inside there because I can't remember all the numbers. And in there, not only is there the number, but there's also a password for every one of those numbers. All my bank, all my savings, everything is all in this account but it's password protected. If they can put up the book of Psalm 100, if they can, and let's do it in the New Living first, and then we're going to go right into the message in Psalm 100, okay? On your feet, applaud God, bring gift of laughter, sing yourselves into his presence. Look at verse 2. Know this, that God is God, and God is God, and God, God, right? He made us. We didn't make him. Uh, we're his people, his well-tended sheep. Now look at verse 4. Okay. There it is. That's my alarm clock. It tells me when to start winding down, okay? Enter with the password. Come on. Okay, what does it just say? Enter with the password. What? Say it again. Enter with the password. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him. Look at number five, okay? I love this. Verse number five. For God is sheer beauty, or the Lord is good. All generous, his mercy endures forever, and loyal always and ever. Isn't it amazing that people struggle with the goodness of God today because they don't actually enter in to his gates with the password, thank you. 
It's not to try to get something from God, but it's to offer God appreciation for what he's already done. I believe that when the church shifts into this mindset of gratitude, I believe that when marriages shift into the mindset of gratitude and churches shift into the mindset of gratitude, that there's no more competition, there's no more comparison. Why didn't they pick me to get on this here position? Why didn't they give that? Listen carefully. When we celebrate, did you know that God esteems you more highly than he does his own self? Because God tells us in the Bible to esteem one another more highly than his own than our own selves. And if God tells us to do it, that means that God esteems Kathy, God esteems Pastor, God esteems you more highly than he does his own self. Why? Because he is totally secure and totally in love with you this morning. And everybody agrees, said amen. Let's all stand to our faith, uh, feet right now. Amen. And I want to close with this here simple aspect of why is it that God's Word puts such a strong emphasis on thanksgiving. Well, number one, gratitude improves your mental health and your well-being. There's all scientific research and studies to prove everything that I'm saying that you can type in. Just Google them and you'll find them. Number two, gratitude helps you enjoy more positive experiences. I want to say something. Kathy and I are on a journey. Did you know that the two of us have been homeless for the last three weeks? We sold our house and we're on the road now all the way through till February, or till March of 2020 when our new house is going to be done. Okay, so we're living the dream. We're doing cruises. We're going to Europe now. We're going to Florida on Monday. Tomorrow morning at quarter to five, we got to leave in the morning to catch our flight. And we're excited about what God's doing. Amen? Okay, so you can have more experiences. Gratitude helps you cope with stress and life difficulty. You take a person that complains, and you take a person that's positive, and you will see the one that's coping, the one that's overcoming, that's moving through, is the one with gratitude. Gratitude boosts your confidence and your self-esteem. Uh, the identity issue is huge in the church world. The first temptation came, if thou be the son of God, the enemy wants to tempt you in that their area. But how many know our value is not for what we do or what, we, or what we've done, but it's what he has already done for us. And then gratitude improves your physical health. It improves, gives you a better night's sleep. It fosters resilience. When you're grateful for what you have, you are better able to overcome negative events in your life. And then finally, gratitude strengthens you. It promotes forgiveness, even between ex-spouses after divorce and relationships. Uh, do you want a happier, a stronger marriage? Then focus on your partner's good qualities and show appreciation. And finally, gratitude enhances mindfulness think thankfulness is an old anglo-saxon word which means thankfulness think on the right things think on the favor of god think on that you're his favorite and that you want to be a blessing to someone else and your whole life will shift and change amen so i want to just practice this for one minute look at your neighbor okay everybody say neighbor I want to tell you how thankful I am. So tell them you're something thankful about to your neighbor right now. If you're married, tell your wife something you're thankful. If you're, tell your husband something you're thankful to them about right now. 
Amen. Just take a minute and go ahead and do that. Share something that you're thankful about. I'm thankful for all you that are watching my live stream today. I'm so happy that you checked in with Pastor Paul Koo and the incredible church that we're at over here in Willowdale. We're excited about what God is doing in the midst of this here house. And you got to get Pastor's new book. It will bless your life. And those that enter into faith, enter into the rest of God. You don't want to miss it. So give God thanks by ordering a copy of it today online. All the information is on the screen afterwards. And to everybody that's here today, I think we need to give an offering of thanksgiving for Pastor Paul, who's here week after week, pouring in his life into your life. Let's give your pastor an appreciation like you really mean that he's a value to your life. Amen.